Hi, welcome to Comics Unscripted, the podcast from Foreign Press Comics. I'm your host, Kyler Merrill, and today we have um, two guests. They are the creators of Astounding Tales. Um, we have Jake Cohen and Ray Griffith. How are you guys doing? Oh, doing well. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Hi, this is Jake. Uh, thanks for having us. Yeah, I was gonna, that's actually probably something I need to... Yeah, that, that was Jake and the other one was right. If you couldn't figure it out, you know, um, uh, process of elimination. There's only one other one, so it'll be all right. Um, yeah, so do you guys, like I said, we're kind of here to talk about Astounding Tales, which will come out sometime in the spring-ish, um, sometime soon, probably. Um, you know, it's all, apparently it's all Ray's fault, so we'll, we'll you know, we'll blame it on him. But um, well, anyway. Thanks to him, not, not blame him, Th- thanks to him. He's the one who makes the magic happen, you know. That's true, That that is yeah. very true. And he's the one who puts the magic in Magic Pan. If we were a crepes restaurant, <laughs> he's the one who puts the magic in Magic Pan. There you go. So. Um, so I guess, do you guys want to give, just to start off, kind of give a um, quick preview or a quick synopsis of the book, just so we kind of are familiar with um, with that? Oh, um, You're the writer, so go for it. <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, it's a contemporary sto- story that's an homage or tonally kind of similar to the Silver Age uh, stories of Stan and Jack. Um, so kind of using the superhero genre or an an earnest take of the superhero genre, but instead of like anxiety over um, the nuclear age, it's more kind of modern anxieties and ideas and concepts, but still using the the tropes of the superhero genre. And actually lately, one of the things I've been thinking about too is in terms of like Silver Age Superman that a lot of times like it is the superhero genre, but in that era, they were really going for sci-fi, maybe soft sci-fi. So kind of thinking about that in terms of the scripting and stories as well, that if we are going for like a silver age type vibe that they were not really, they were aiming a lot of those stories at sci-fi and not necessarily superhero as like a separate subgenre. So that's just something I've been kicking around around lately, but yeah. So then uh, a kind of a long-winded uh, blurb, that's kind of what a, uh, What's the deal with the comic? So we got we have robots. We we got uh, we got artificial intelligence, uh, the environment, politics. Uh, you know, basically, you know, like when they said Stan said, you know, Marvel Comics is let the world outside your window, uh, kind of doing that same, uh, trying to do that same deal. Yeah, like you said, a little bit of everything, uh, big monsters, all that stuff. Um, and so I kind of want to start with, um, I, I guess I want to start by talking about you guys and your I guess we'll start with you guys individually. So if you could both like kind of give me a, your origin in terms of comics, I guess we'll start with um, Ray and then we'll go to Jake. Sure. Well, you know, it all started at a young, young age when someone was foolish enough to give me a pencil and, you know, told me to draw. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've always loved comics. I've always loved illustration. Now that said, I have much less of a history with the superheroes in general than Jake does. I was more into like bone and, you know, adventure comics, Disney comics, that sort of thing. A lot of cartooning. Mm-hmm. And uh, that kind of played through my whole life. I, I actually was a caricature artist for most of my life as well. But as I got older, I did take somewhat of a turn towards the superheroes. I still fondly remember paging through that Marvel's encyclopedia of all the characters and being mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, here we go. And then, of course, when the MCU debuted, debuted, debuted. <laughs> You're good. It's all right. We know what you're Hey, mean. listen, I just draw the pictures, okay? <laughs> uh, debuted. Uh, that that really uh, uh, 
you know, put me forward into being interested in all that stuff. And I, I played a lot of catch up. So that's kind of where I'm at now. As for illustration in comics, that didn't start till 2018. And the reason I did that was because I looked at my life and said, wow, I'm almost 30 and I haven't even tried to do the thing I've always said I wanted to do one time. Maybe I should get on that already. Started with some uh, anthology submissions and other independent things and then uh, managed to meet Jake in a, in a Reddit, a subreddit. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we, we've gone off from there. Yeah. I mean, I assume comic book collabs is what you're talking about. Yeah, because, um, yeah, I was going to say that's one that, um, you know, you hear about on a lot of podcasts or just, you know, I, I've heard it a few times with just people I've interviewed, but definitely on other people's podcasts, they always mention, and that's where I got my start too. And how I got, you know, into, um, you know, the, that's how I got into the comic jam and that's how I got into comics was through that. So indirectly, but, um, Jake, what about you? Uh, I've always, uh, been, uh, in, in love with kind of visual storytelling, whether it's movies or comics. Um, I guess just being that, you know, I'm, you know, the, the stereotypical ignorant American, mostly superhero comics, mm-hmm. uh, growing up, um, I have academic, actually just not going to just graduated, got a, a, an MA and a BA in film theory. So all types of visual storytelling I've always been interested in definitely like genre stuff, whether it's sci-fi, fantasy, superheroes, um, so yeah, and uh, I guess I've always loved storytelling, but I guess I don't have the hubris to be in terms of like uh, motion pictures to be like, I want to tell a story, but I need like thousands to millions of dollars, uh, dozens of people. Um, so that's why I love comic books. It's mm-hmm. kind of a, you know, Ray and I collaborating to kind of t- tell this story. Um, but yeah, I-, I love storytelling and I love genre. So yeah. it's kind of a dream come true making this uh this comic happen onto uh, issue two it's super exciting um so we had an issue zero and an issue one mm-hmm. and it's just chugging along kind of telling this cool sci-fi story is definitely uh definitely a lot of fun mm-hmm. yeah i mean you definitely brought up a really good point that i tried to ma- i mentioned i've mentioned it several times i probably have mentioned it too much i repeat myself a lot but that um you know that comics kind of it's I, the ideal medium in a way because it's budgetless like it doesn't like I can draw a scene that has robots fighting giant monsters, giant turtle monsters, and then have that and then have a scene in a diner and they both cost the same amount of money. I didn't have to pay for effects. I didn't have to pay for anything. It costs the exact same amount of money. It's a page rate. That's that's it. And so oh, one, one takes a little idea. more time than the other. I will that's tell you true. that. Well, I, I mean, yeah, but time in terms of, there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but, you know, as far as I'm just thinking about the writer, I'm kind of selfish. So um, I guess. So what is it like? Well, I mean, uh, to that to that point, though, I think in the um, as the writer, it may not be like a like a budget concern of like, oh, I can't afford Mm -hmm. like a bunch of spaceships. But there are concerns of like, you know, uh, maybe like I don't uh, uh, have like a gangster story with like a bunch of like Studebakers or like period Mm -hmm. cars. So there are, you know, in terms of mediums, there are still kind of limitations where i don't want like ray to freak yeah. like murder me pretty much mm-hmm. you know so it may not it be in terms of so like many a budget or just like hey i need like a 12 panel page and like every panel is a crowd scene like mm-hmm. it's like come on you know so there are there are certain limitations in terms of the matters the medium i think that's kind of the fun of it you know mm-hmm. definitely um uh, and so I kind of I want to try to transition to what about your your two your process 
together um as far as just in general is this because i was thinking about it you know thinking about just because a lot of these questions are based around silver agey type things and so um i so i thought back to you know marvel versus dc style creation you know they have you know marvel style was typically i mean you know was kind of known for stan gave jack you know and i went to it was other people too but Stan gave Jack said, okay, here's what happens in this issue. You draw it, I'll add the dialogue later. And then you had DC style, which was very, you know, deliberate and kind of what a more traditional comic script is now for us, which is like page one, panel one, so-and-so says this, panel two, this happens, panel three, panel four, and this one's a splash. And, you know, they broke it down a lot more. So I guess what's your process together like? Well, you brought up the Silver Age, and I would actually give, I've given this example before of a Bronze Age, actually a Bronze Age example. Um, I've heard uh, the anecdote of um, Chris Claremont and Jim Lee's first uh, issue as the full-time penciler on uh, on X, on Uncanny. And that's the issue with uh, Cap, Wolverine, and Black Widow, mm-hmm. like the flashback issue. And uh, on that, going into that issue, he asked Jim Lee, who are your favorite characters? Like, who you want to draw? And he's like, I love Wolverine. I love Black Widow. I love Captain America. Mm-hmm. And that's the, that. his first issue as a full-time writer. So um, it's definitely got all the Claremont-isms. It's definitely a Chris Claremont comic when you read mm-hmm. it. But he's taking, he's like, hey, dude, what do you want to draw? And like kind of making it happen. So I think that's, uh, and Ray, like, you know, I don't want to be putting your words in your mouth or anything like that. But I think that's kind of a fair kind of, reader's digest version of kind of uh, our process of like hey what do you want to do man and then i kind of put it in the uh let it kind of you know chill around in there and uh try to uh come up with something that uh makes reasonable sense now to to be fair when he asked me what i wanted to draw i was like oh you know what i want to draw space because it doesn't have any backgrounds (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's just black and stars that Mm. sounds great but we haven't quite got to that one yet. We'll, well we have some like uh, like Arctic <laughs> scenes that are kind of like you know just. That. I like those scenes. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's definitely so. I mean it sounds kind of like there's a bit of, it's not you know, it's very collaborative in like you're both involved in kind of the process, and so that does lead me into kind of what my next question was is, um, did you how did this project come to be as far as, um, you know did did you just jake you had the idea for the story and you came to ray or was it like hey i want to work with you let's make something together i commissioned him for issue zero which initially was going to be a four pager and he dug it and was like hey i want to throw in an extra splash page so it became a five five pager and um we enjoy working with each other and it's still one of my favorite splash pages honestly (laughs) there's power in there there's some energy that one for for sure so i i don't know would it be uh would it be uncouth if we threw in the uh you know you could see that issue zero uh uh, what what, astounding or um funnyfigs.com backslash sounding is that uh did i crowbar that in there is that go for it yeah something like that (laughs) um so yeah and then um so we, uh, to be able to fund our, uh, the process of kind of printing it and on shipping and all that, we uh, we launched a Kickstarter for issue one that uh, knock on wood went, went super well. And uh, here we are doing issue two and mm-hmm. hopefully, uh, you know, m- more to come. So, I mean, like, Ray, like what kinds of things were you bringing or did you, were there, was there anything specific in the story that you kind of 
had, remember having like a big influence on is, I mean, like we said, you had that splash page, but were there, I guess, were there story elements that you helped to contribute to, or like, were you involved with like Billy's story in any way? Yeah, I think so. Um, so you got to remember that. Yeah. I'm given a script. Um, so <laughs> it's a little more DC style than Marvel in that we're not, but it's just, not full script. He's doing no, no. the camera angles, the panel <laughs> layouts. It's most yes. more like a screenplay script. Mm -hmm. Right. But what, and that's kind of thing. Yeah. He's not giving me camera angles. He's not necessarily nailing down, like for a really good example, going back to that splash pages, the, the prompt was basically a giant monster attacks. It was never specified what kind of monster mm -hmm. it was never, you know, what, what, <laughs> what, what is it? Why is it doing that? Well, I mean, why it was doing this was clear, but so I was kind of given free reign to explore that. And I gave him several options. I was like, well, let's look around what kind of animals we have in the area um you know I, I think i threw a crab at you and a, a couple other ideas and we finally settled on what is a giant snapping turtle that's local to the area which i had a lot of fun with and there's a lot of that in issue one as well with like the bad guy uh, well i can't spoil too much <laughs> but his his design was basically make it make it creepy make it gross you know go go for it <laughs> and there's a lot of that which i really appreciate because that's where i feel like i have the strength is to go in with the visual design and kind of tell stories more that way. And then, you know, he can handle the dialogue more and more. So I, I that's not really my specialty. <laughs> yeah, in terms of like it being a collaborative effort, I know, you know, some people, they write full script and just having a, at least an academic background in film. Again, that's more, you know, in a film, in a, in a film screenplay, it's not going to say the angle that's up to the director. Um, the person, and that, so he's, if Ray's, um, putting together the panels that's like putting together the shot um composing the shot composing the panel so uh unless i have like a really strong vision or desire i really feel that's kind of his mm -hmm. you know maybe other writers feel differently but i kind of feel that that's kind of his neck of the woods mm -hmm. um and i think the work speaks for itself in terms of also you could feel that the artist is enthusiastic about it um about what he's doing kind of i think that that also pl plays a role in kind of the, the finished product mm -hmm. I mean, I definitely, I, that's kind of where I'm at as far as, you know, the amount that the writer and the, that can put into it, because I, I think part of making comics is for the most part, it is, you want it to be collaborative. That's the idea by bringing in another person. So you you want their input, but like you said, there are a few occasions where I'm like, Hey, I really like in my head, I see this panel. I know what it looks like. It's from this angle and it's, you know, done this way, but for the most part, like I want them to do it unless like you said I do have something very specific I have a vision in my head of this is or you know if there's something like hey this needs to look like this so that we can have this callback later or something like that you know but I do think that that's part of what makes comics great is that there is that collaborative aspect um and I mean I, honestly sometimes from my end that like uh I guess what, one of the things I, I kind of have to think about in terms of like issue two and kind of moving forward is sometimes kind of reining it in that um, not relying or not using captions so much that uh, not feeling self-conscious of like, I got to do something here. Like I can't let him do all the work. So like, let's put in some words here. So like, Hey, I did something like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, and being like, I said, not, I guess not self-conscious or about of like, Hey man, his back started hurt from uh, Karen, the whole team here of like, uh, so we should put us like some caption up if, you know, in terms of if a panel just 
it doesn't need words, you know, and the art just carries it of not feeling like, I, well, I guess I should put some letters in there. Just <laughs> shows like I'm doing something around here. <laughs> For sure. Sometimes saying less is more. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, sorry, I was, I was writing, some, writing a note down so I won't forget it later. Well, um, and I guess people that are unfamiliar with the comic making process don't really realize that like in terms of the writing, uh, it's not always necessarily like the words you see scripted it's uh, the conversation that Ray and I are having, you mm -hmm. know, uh, the, the panel descriptions, you know, mm -hmm. uh, are, is that that's the writing part as well. So even when you uh, don't see any uh, words on that page as well, that discourse I'm having with Ray, that's really the writing part mm -hmm. or whatever. And like a lot of that is at least like kind of in my experience is that there's a lot, especially when you're working on something like this, that's very character that's you know focused on a certain character or two characters or whatever that you both kind of get a sense of this is what the character is and so you can kind of have a I mean a discussion about okay this they would do this or they wouldn't do this or the artist can put in their input like oh you know that I think that they would dress this way or they might have this little affectation to them that they can kind of put in and there's a bit of a discussion as far as things like that so um, I guess are there any details like that that have that made it into the book? Well, neither of us are a tween girl. Oh, are you, are you, are you getting me? I got internet unstable. Oh, so neither of us are a tween girl. So some of those conversations are kind of interesting of like, what would she wear? What kind of music? Or like posters on the wall, things like that. I think something, I, I suggest like Bikini Kill or something like that. So showing my age, like something like from the 90s. Ray's like, no, like she wouldn't have that. Like maybe she'll have some like Nirvana or Cure posters. Like, no, Jake, it's not 1992. Like she doesn't have that on her wall. <laughs> it helps that I have a daughter. So I was okay, like, there you go. <laughs> yeah. I kind of have I kind of have a little bit of a handle on this. Um, so I know I was listening to another interview that you did, Jake, and um you talked a lot about um different like a lot of little subtle details and so this is something i want to ask both of you is there any are there any details in the story that um pe that you guys put in that might not be big things maybe it's a nod to something um you know from another comic or from a silver agey type thing that people might not have picked up on i have a ray detail i have a ray detail and my sister caught this as well and issue zero when they're bringing the boxes inside, and this was not in the script, this is 100% Ray. Um, uh, not to give anything away, not like no spoilers, but you'll see Billy is not um, having any trouble with the boxes while her father, the boxes, he's having trouble, mm -hmm. they're, they're heavy for him. So that is definitely, that's uh, in that, to answer your question, that's a little uh, Ray, a little, little, little detail. Foreshadowing there. <laughs> I would say there's actually a couple of details I don't think anyone uh, either knows about or has noticed. And I don't even know if Jake knows about some of these details that I've put in. Because there's a, there's something I put in issue zero that may hint towards something in the future, but it kind of depends on where he wants to go with it, really. Um, let's just say uh, there's something in one of those boxes that uh, I don't It's I'm not one of those sure like Disney you know Lion King things where there's something dirty in the background. Yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> Nothing like that. But also, there's a lot of fun little uh, little references, especially in issue one. I think uh, like they 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 visit an old superhero's apartment, and he's got some bottles on the table, 
and uh so i think i put demon in a bottle as the as the logo mm -hmm. or something like yeah. that <laughs> but those are yeah, all i totally <laughs> oh man i gotta reread i totally that's all that's fantastic <laughs> oh my goodness yeah that's like something that i did in um the, the web comic i was doing for a while that i'm i'm starting back up on is um like it's kind of based on or references a lot of like country music and stuff and so a lot of like the um labels on like the beer says like church choir ale because one of my favorite singers is eric church and his groups his fandom or whatever you want to call it he calls it the church choir and oh, so like, i put like specific. little things like that and like um one the bottle of whiskey has ashley mcbride's logo on it and like little things like that that no one else is going to appreciate but i'm going to see it and be like i i put that in there and like hopefully you know someone will see it and be like hey that looks familiar and i you know but it's it's mostly for me so i imagine that you guys have a lot of things that are like that as well that you don't you don't expect anyone to notice you know you're not doing it for their benefit you're doing it for yourself I would say like a lot of the references and stuff that I put in the script, it's just the opposite. Like they're super over, like they're really <laughs> on front street. Like my, uh, my references, my homages, my, you know, whatever. Um, I guess when I would like Kevin Smith movies were super formative. Like I saw like mm -hmm. mall rats when I was like 12 years old of like, Oh, you could have a movie where like, they talk like about how my friends talk. Like you could <laughs> talk about star Wars in a movie. Um, so like yeah like my, my references are the super obvious ones there's nothing uh yeah they're right on front street you can yeah. definitely i wear them on my sleeve for sure um so i kind of um um trying to see where i'm going with this um so where um i guess you you talked about um i don't know how i want to form this into a question i just have a statement hopefully you guys can get something out of it it's a, um you mentioned it, it's before, a question statement it's a comment yeah exactly um you mentioned like that um you know that this is kind of based on so well, you you it's obviously based on like silver age marvel books and like those were very like you said before very inspired by the nuclear age and this is kind of inspired by the issues surrounding i guess I don't know climate change is the right word, but just environmental issues, I guess. Contemporary issues. Yeah, contemporary issues. And like, Ray, you mentioned that the, you made sure that the the monster was based off of a, a real life snapping turtle that was from that area. And like, so I guess what went, what went, what went into your, like, again, I don't know what I'm trying to, what I'm trying to ask, but as far as bringing things back to uh, real life, or um oh shoot um I'm meeting my end in 10 minutes because i have more than two people it's fine if it does i'll just start a new one i'll send you a new link and then um we'll just yeah i'll have to let it convert to anyway um so i'm just still talking go for it if you can get something out of that question <laughs> just like tying into old themes and like real life i guess Oh, well, I guess a lot of that, again, plays into that, like, I am not subtle. <laughs> like, uh, I think it's issue one where we have, uh, you know, some angry gentleman uh, taking a hold of a, a municipal building demanding recounts, uh, you know, things about the environment. Uh, and then, like, the, the anxieties are more the, the digital age rather than the nuclear age, the, the anxieties that 
whether it's what creates the superpowers or what creates the issues, um, you know, uh, issue issue two, there's a coltan mine, um, and like uh, so, conflict minerals kind of play a role, but uh, kind of uh, similar to kind of like uh, Jack Kirby's uh, Captain America. Like, yeah, I'm not I'm not subtle or. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like Claremont's God Love Man's Kill. Uh, God Loves Man Kills. You know, I try to, yeah. <laughs> but not yeah, to be didactic. I, I do try to kind of make it fun and not preachy. Kind of hope that I'm not. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it's very fun. I, I was just thinking about that. I was like, we, we've got two guys holding hostage uh, a Capitol building, and they're saying, uh, water the tree of liberty. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's not subtle. Yeah. But, uh, I, I was thinking about that, and you know, one of uh, one of the real life references I put in that um, I don't know if you know about this one either. So during the first issue, the initial uh, opening is an attack by a giant robot on an intersection on the highway, mm-hmm. and that is a real intersection that really makes me angry, and that's kind of why he's doing it because I hate it, it's like a, a a ninety degree turn in the highway, and it's just the worst. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's my my contribution to real life issues. Yeah. <laughs> what i care about for sure so um, go for so it people okay well yeah i guess people in your neighborhood i wonder has anyone picked that out that lives near you is like hey, wait a minute dude that's not an, that's not in cleveland like oh no that's a that's a specific uh highway in cleveland that's oh, from there oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Oh. and uh i have a friend who reads the the comic from that area and he definitely he's like <laughs> is that i'm like yeah that's yeah. that that's the death curve, man. <laughs> um, I mean, like I do stuff like that. Like I put um, in my the, the comic I'm finishing up now. Like I have like I've been using reference photos because I have an iPad for the first time, and so I've like been like I have one of the pictures, like one of the panels. It's like if you really look, it's 100 percent me. Like you can tell. Like I was, I was do, at first I was doing like for just for the figure, and I was like, eh, forget it. Like let's just let's just put my whole body in there, like my whole face and everything. And so yeah, if you like pay attention, I doubt anybody's gonna like really notice. But like yeah, you can 100 percent tell that it's me. Like if you know me, you're like, oh no, that's that's you. He's bald as his beard looks the exact same, his face looks the exact same. Like it's you. But um, well, it was a popular um, like I don't know tier or add on. I don't know what the correct nomenclature mm-hmm. would be for uh kickstarter to have a cameo in the comic and we do have a stanley someone purchased um i forget what the the cost of the tier was so we we, we have our he will uh ray's friend is our stanley he will be in every uh every issue of comics we make nice. together i yeah. think he became a robot for a second there. yeah you kind of got a little little static you there um it's oh. all good it's all good so, we got uh, we got the message in the end yeah, I was gonna say what he's trying to say is we had a we had a cameo tier that uh, this guy's gonna be in our comics forever. It's gonna be great. He's gonna be a different character each issue. Nice. That's <laughs> that's really that's really impressive. Honestly, it's a really smart idea. Um, I always struggle to come up with you know fun uh, Kickstarter tiers, and it's weird for me. And I've I've said this before, but like Kickstarter is weird because you know you have to be creative when you're making them. But like for me, when I back Kickstarters, I don't care about anything. I just want to buy the book. I don't care maybe a print, but like, I just want the book and I don't care about any of your other stuff. I don't care how it looks. Anything, I, give me the book. I don't give me the book. Let me get out. Like, so, but then when I make them, they're like, Oh no, you have to add the, you have to have better tiers and you have to make sure your video looks like this. And I'm like, I, I personally, I could not care any less about any of that, but that's just what you got to do. So, you know, is what it is, but you've, um, I don't 
want to get too into this. So what we're going to do is take a quick break. And then um, I'm actually going to end up stopping the recording. And then I will send you guys a new link. It should not be more than five minutes. We'll be right back, folks. Yes, we'll be right back. I've, I've never had to do this before. So <laughs> hopefully it'll be fine. Um, yeah, I'll be, I'll be right back to you guys. All right. Now a word from your okay, sponsors. So exactly. Just, there's, yeah. there's only one. You say sponsors like it's, there's one sponsor and I don't get much money from it. All right. Peace out. Well. all right and we're back um so what was i gonna ask okay so you've described astounding tales as a love letter to um the silver age marvel comics with stanley and jack kirby that's a quote um so i guess when you're writing a book like this that is a love letter um a self-described love letter what are the key elements you had to bring in both on the writing side and on the art side as far as what are some key elements of those Silver Age type books that you felt were necessary to bring in? Um, well, for me, in terms of the writing, it was basically like an earnest take on the genre that I really grew up, a lot of the books I grew up with are kind of like a deconstructionist take on the superhero genre, things like uh, Dark Knight Returns, Watchmen, like that was like when I was a kid, that was like, that was the Jimmy Jam. Those were the kind of the comics I grew up with. And then the comics that inspired were kind of a lot of the grim and gritty stuff of the 90s. Um, you know, when I was a kid, like the big characters were like Venom, Punisher, Ghost Rider, Wolverine, you know, like the anti-hero. Um, so in terms of like an earnest take on the superhero genre, for me, it's almost like a breath of fresh air, like while some maybe for some other people it's nostalgic or who knows i'm not gonna speak for other people in terms of th their experience um for me because of the kind of comics that i was immersed in growing up it, like i said it's, it's kind of like a night it's i find it like a refreshing kind of a hopeful optimistic kind of a breath of fresh air mm -hmm. being genuine right, with there, the characters just yeah. <laughs> was there anything like um art wise that you that you like really looked at i guess that because that's kind of my next question is um what were um what was the was there a studying process like for this like as far as were there any like was there any for both of you um any moments of like anything that you were looking at specifically like a specific thing you were trying to emulate in terms of style or a specific book or a um i don't know what types of things were you looking at to did you do any extra studying for this that you had? Oh. Was there anything besides just like, oh, I've already read those Silver Edge comics. I want to be like those. Oh, absolutely. I, I've downloaded, um, you know, just image after image of, you know, Kirby and everything, backgrounds, looking at how they put the compositions, how they made the characters, because the way those comics are drawn are not the way I traditionally draw. So I had to do a lot of self-teaching to figure out how to make it look similar, the way, the way they do texturing, the way the shadows are placed. And I won't lie and say that I've always nailed it, but I'm certainly giving it, you know, my best effort. I'm especially proud of some of the images in issue zero where I feel like I really, really captured that feeling. Like it, it's not just the inking, of course, there's also the colors. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you have to look at how they used a limited palette and really made it shine back in the day. Even the paper itself was never quite a, a bright white, you know, it has a, a bit of a yellow tinge to it and you try to capture that. Of course, you know, there's a little half tone going on, but 
I didn't want to just throw that sort of thing in there. I wanted it to be a little more uh, genuine. So also there's no straight black in the book. All, all the blacks are slightly blue just mm -hmm. to, to, to capture that appearance. We even worked really hard on issue one to genuinely print it on uh, newsprint, which it turns out is very expensive mm -hmm. to do. That blows my mind. <laughs> I don't I get I it. I thought it was going to be cheap, but no, but no, it's not. But, uh, you know, I, I, I think the result speaks for itself. I'm really proud of how it looks. I hope we get to do it again. I don't know. You know, things have been so crazy with paper these days. I couldn't tell you, but we're going to try, I think. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, that's the color thing is something that I hadn't thought of because I also had um, my silver golden my comic love letter i guess was my the anthology i tried last year and i'm trying again this year for fletcher cross and when i was when we were putting it together you know we had a discord server where everyone was talking and we were a lot of the artists were like what about the color and i had something i hadn't even thought of because i'm not a color person like it's just i'm a little colorblind and that's just not my jam and so like they brought that up and the limited and so i we did some looking into like a, that limited color palette and we tried to stick to those tones because and I think that that really, for the most part, because not everyone stuck to that. And I mean, I don't care either way. I'm not bothered by that. But I didn't, that's something I hadn't even thought of was how that color palette was affect, was affecting like those books of that time period. Well, I remember even as a kid, like when Image Comics first came out, that they're on the, they were on the different paper stock and they were like the, one of the first people to start using the digital coloring. That there definitely was like it looked like a different comic book like aesthetically like i feel like um you know on my deathbed when the last few like brain cells fizzle out like or gun to my head like what a comic book looks like it's that um that newsprint both in terms of color and then like texture and stuff that's in my mind like if you're like what does a comic look like mm -hmm. to me that that's that's a comic you know like uh you know so I think it does make a lot of, a, a huge difference in terms of the mm -hmm. experience. No, definitely. Um, so, I mean, Jake, was there anything that you were like, again, like for you, what was the studying process like for the writing side of things? Um, not, not super well. What inspired it was actually, uh, what's the name of the, it's the Kirby um, biography by uh, Mark Evanier. King of Comics. It's kind of the, the kind of genesis of kind of inspiring kind of uh, this take on a story um, or stories. Um, so that was definitely like the inspiration. And then also in terms of um, issue one, uh, just in general, it's kind of like a breathless kind of um, pace. So like kind of a Lawrence Kasdan type script in terms of like a Raiders of the Lost Ark. So, and then also the Galactus trilogy of just like, so many concepts, um, so many ideas, so many characters in those th three issues. So it's kind of like the opposite of decompressed uh, storytelling. So those were kind of some of the like big, um, like our overt um, kind of influences in the stew, but it's always kind of interesting both for myself when I kind of look back at the stuff, but also in terms of interviews or just talking to other people of like what they like what, uh, what, what kind of flavors they find in it, um, you know, like, because one of the things kind of looking back, I get kind of like a little bit of a Johnny Quest vibe sometimes mm -hmm. once in a while, and that was not on purpose, like, mm -hmm. but, um, you know, I think some of this stuff is also like subconscious, like deep back yeah. 
like lizard brain stuff. Some of this stuff comes so out. You, and you've got years and years of research just uh, in your <laughs> <Exactly>. spare time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, I've been working to this my my, my whole life, you know. Yeah. So you um, know, one of my friends, I, my my friend, my one of my parents, like put down those comic books. Mm. Aha! Who has the final uh, laugh? Yeah, um, exactly. And so um, I. We're, uh, th- this is my, kind of my last question that I want to move into the um, book club. So um, what were some, for you guys, what are some Silver Age? Because like you said, this is a, very inspired by those Silver Age things, Silver Age Marvel books. But I, I don't want to ask just specifically about Marvel. What, for you two, are there any um, Silver Age books that you think are um, particularly worth looking back at? Because like myself, I know that, you know, it's hard to, um look at those it's sometimes it's hard to read them because they're just you know of a different they're just of a different time you know it's just it's it's not like the comics that I make or the comics that I really grew up with just in terms of I don't know what it is the speed or the style I don't know what but are there any specific Silver Age books that stand out to you or just I don't know about Silver Age because I don't really know technically what that means I mean I know what it means but like I don't know what the defining lines are. So I, really, I mean, I would always go. I think a safe demarcation, Fantastic Four number one, and going pick. You know, when we talk about Marvels, that's kind of a little bit of it going from the uh, well, yeah, that's when Golden yeah. Age to, to sil- Silver. I was age I always thought it was like um, introduction of Barry Allen. Oh, also, yeah, that that that's what I was well. always told was um, the Silver Age. But and again, I don't want to go too much into our yeah. Marvel discussion. But what came to mind on this read also is kind of DC New Frontier because that mm-hmm. goes from like golden age to silver mm-hmm. age like the barry allen or the justice league number one that's kind of like the dc demarcation and then mm-hmm. kind of uh marvels kind of does the golden age to the silver age but it's really the silver age handed off the yeah. bronze age they kind of you know they're in uh, conversation with each other but are there um, any books but, from that time period yeah, from oh, the sorry. 70s uh, that yeah, came I digress that... uh i would say ditko uh, lee ditko spider-man mm-hmm. is like definitely um a must and awesome and i think also both i think also uh, what's interesting if you did go um spider-man versus when you get ramita senior spider-man uh, that likes like did go has like a creepy spider-man and uh, a nerdier peter parker that mm-hmm. like when ramita starts drawing him you more have more of the contemporary like like a good looking dude like this dude's a nerd like he's kind of like a handsome guy um i would also say silver age superman which is definitely nothing like silver age marvel it's still like wacky hokey like mm-hmm. bonkers stuff that's where you got like bottle silk city candor stuff but what uh, i think i was mentioning earlier in our inter- in the interview that's kind of the stuff where um it really is almost more sci-fi stories and superhero genre stories mm-hmm. um and the, i forget the editor uh escapes me right now but the editor of that era was uh, i think is it mort weisinger was definitely like a sci-fi julie guy schwartz. Uh, julie schwartz hey, i don't know like i was throwing that out there uh like very much a sci-fi had a sci-fi background and it was a sci-fi writer um so i think that's interesting and then uh, um something that's not like a huge like fan favorite but something i grew up reading was the um the kirby lee x-men comics because those would get reprinted i guess just because x-men was so popular in the early 90s they just kind of like tossed it out there as well, even though they're not like super highly regarded. Um, so like those first six issues of X-Men, I read a million times when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And then also, um, uh, 
who's the dude? Uh, Ray and I were talking about him like a month ago. Werner Roth, the guy that took over for Kirby. A lot of people don't give him like a lot of shine. I have no idea who that is. Uh, he's the guy who took over on X-Men because Kirby only did like the first few issues. He left it pr pretty quickly because it wasn't like a popular or considered like a good book. And Werner Roth took over and he's not considered like it's hmm. it's more like Kirby. And then when you get to like Steranko and Neil Adams, like, oh, man. And then obviously like the more Claremont contemporary X-Men or whatever. But I like that Werner Roth stuff a lot. Like I said, when I was a kid, I read like a bunch of that Werner Roth stuff like all the time because i didn't know it was supposed to be not good um but like werner roth's marvel marvel girl like gene gray i think is fantastic um so uh yeah those are some that's some silver age i would recommend um like the juggernaut because what's interesting is from the beginning you see with x-men that every iteration the the next kind of team will take the popular stuff so even though lee and kirby's run wasn't that popular you will see that roy thomas and neil adams do the sentinels juggernaut will reappear and then when claremont takes over again he like ditches a lot of the stuff but you'll see sentinels you'll see magneto mm -hmm. um like that those things will doesn't matter what iteration of the x-men even though that lee kirby runs not considered good the good stuff of it always comes back the mm -hmm. X-Men go into space, they fight the Sentinel, like whatever. Um, that always you'll see. So I think even though it's not considered that great, the Kirby Lee and then um, Lee Werner Roth and then especially the Neil Adams, Roy Thomas X-Men stuff is great. Mm -hmm. uh, Werner Roth went by the name Jay Gavin. He, that's the pseudonym he used for a long time. Oh. I think I've heard that name before, so that might make sense. But yeah, yeah he like was hiding that, it from I, his people at DC. I just, I, sorry, that's what I was Googling. I was listening, but I was oh, also okay. trying to. Oh, no, no, no worries. No worries. Um, Ray, what about you? Were there any um, Silver Age books that you think were, that you think are worth taking a look at? I mean, Jake pretty much covered it, but <clears throat> that's kind of the cool thing about it. As you can see, anytime I'm not sure or like, hey, man, is there a reference for something or something I can look at? He's got me a page. He's mm -hmm. got me a cover, whatever I can look at. Yeah, that's exactly it. This guy is an encyclopedia and I love it. <laughs> mm -hmm. No, definitely. Um, so yeah, like I said, I think that this is, this ended up being really applicable or really fitting the, the subject matter for the book club, which now I'm thinking I, on my shelf, I have the first Marvel masterworks for um, Stanley's the first 10 issues of X-Men. Um, and I kind of, I've still, I, I haven't read it and I kind of need an excuse to read it, but um Anyway, but no, I think Marvels is going to be, a, is, is very applicable. And so it's the Kurt Music Alex, Alex Ross, um, you know, for anybody who doesn't know, it's the series that was done in the 90s. Which I didn't read There's it until the early aughts. That's what I thought was interesting for just in like my personal narrative or whatever, that I think it was like 94, 93, something like that. So what I was reading at that point, because I was probably fourth grade, maybe something like that. Phalanx Covenant was huge. Um, and I was first discovering Dark Knight Returns and like all the DC Elseworld stuff. So I did not read, like I said, I did not read Marvels for the first time till like years later. But as a kid, when Marvels was coming out and I was hitting like the comic book stores, this is just probably right around the time when the new the the newsstand was like just dying and like not around anymore. That I was like, ah, oh, this Alex Ross stuff. Give me some of that Phallus Covenant, and uh, mm -hmm. that, that's that's what I was digging into. Mediocre X-Men comics, um, and then Venom, like Venom miniseries and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. 
but um yeah i can't it was in 94 but so i i guess i want to start with um just initial first takes first thoughts on um on the book on the series um whoever wants to uh jake if you want to go first and then ray and then we can go from there um well obviously it's that 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 amazing alex ross art is always kind of like that photorealistic um deal and i mean what i can't help it's just like always seared in my brain because it's just like so messed up is i always think about ruins whenever i read marvels and uh for some reason like the quicksilver panel when he's like a like a just a stump so like i always it always it's somewhat actually just even though as marvels is like in some ways like hopeful it's always very disconcerting for me personally because i always think of ruins and it gives me the willies <laughs> sorry i was busy looking at it oh ray no. what about you <laughs> well it's interesting because i came at this much much more recently uh, in fact jake bought this for me uh what was it four months ago something like that <laughs> your birthday or holiday yeah a little, a little, a little surprise gift, and I was like, "How have I never read this before? This is incredible." Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I have, I've had a copy of Kingdom Come for ten million years, and uh, me and the guy who uh, taught me how to draw everything I know how to draw, <clears throat> you know, we used to study Ross's work like religiously all the time. So it was a, a revelation getting to experience this. Another interesting thing is that I actually uh, I was familiar with the story because they turned this into an audio uh, version, like a mm-hmm. like a podcast, and I yeah. listened to that and I'd really enjoyed it. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh, look, they turned it into a comic." <laughs> <laughs> came at it from the opposite way, right? Exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, I came to this first in um, I don't know, probably middle school, so two thousand eight, something like that, when the Marvel app it used to have a really good selection of. Um, free comics and this was the issue one was one of the first ones and i didn't really get it at the time and then i a couple years ago i found this at a vintage stock in oklahoma city and i bought this and it was because it was like five bucks and i was like "Ah, screw it let's buy it and so i bought it and i finally read it for the first time and i i mean i personally i think it does a i think the reason that it works really well is because it's it kind of goes back to the whole um, Stanley, this is the world outside your window thing, because it's very much told from that perspective of this is just a normal guy in Marvel and he just ha- in the Marvel universe and he happens to be around for all the big things. And so for all the big events, at least in the, you know, the, I don't know, bronze or gold and silver age, whatever you want to consider it. But so, yeah, I think it just, that's kind of what works. Well, it, about it, it ends at the start of the bronze age, the, mm-hmm. the death of, Gwen yeah, Stacey. death of Gwen Stacy. Yeah, and so I just think it does a really good job, and I think that's part of it is that it it's like the the full I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but it's like the the conclusion, the full the whole everything. It's it's that statement condensed into a book. I think the world outside your window. Well, I, I think, think also really one of the the nice things it does, like I love continuity, but it uses continuity in the best way. It's not mm-hmm. slavish to continuity. It's using continuity for its purposes to help tell the story. But like an example of it not being slavish to continuity is like chapter two or the second part or whatever with the the mutants one is that silver age comics, like the mutant metaphor and all that was really like a bronze age thing with like Claremont. Those 
Kirby Lee comics weren't as kind of it was kind of about like racism discrimination but they mm -hmm. weren't really hitting that mm -hmm. button so that was kind of them playing with continuity so I think that's one of the most important things about continuity is you want to use it to help you tell your story but don't be slavish to it and that's why I kind of like these things that kind of uh, are a retelling or a retooling or whatever their own spin whether it's like an Elseworlds or Dark Knight Returns or whatever uh, you're using continuity, but you're not overly like beholden to it or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's um, it. Uh, what was I, I I like the fact that it doesn't like. I feel like this is kind of a product of maybe at the times or just who made it. But now I think that if this something like this had been made, it would for for one thing, it would definitely be very MCU focused. And like this goes back to Namor and Human Torch, like old, yeah. like old, old. Well, it starts school. in the Golden Age, yeah. exactly. And so, like it goes, and I feel like if this was made now, you know, th that would kind of get brushed over. Like the same thing, I feel like you mentioned earlier, New Frontier, and I feel like New Frontier, a lot of that old stuff might have been brushed over if it was remade now or remade by someone else. But um, Ray, you're about to say something, and I interrupted you. Well, I've got a couple thoughts, especially now that you've said that. Um, first off, I want to say. I think this uh, this book lays a lot of roots for things we would see in the MCU later. Uh, you know, specifically the sort of not not that the universe wasn't connected before this, obviously, but the feeling that it's not a bunch of stories, but it's life and it's mm -hmm. just happening and life keeps going through. And I feel like that's something they try to capture in the movies as well. Like there's always another story. There's always another thing happening. You can debate on whether they're successful every time, but. I feel like that's a that's actually a connecting link. You're right; they wouldn't cover all these stories in the mm -hmm. movies, but I feel like it's thematically it could be similar. And then also, I was going to say, just overall, the feeling I get from this book, especially with the illustrations, but overall, the entire emotion I feel is wonder and optimism. Because every page I turn to, there's someone looking up in awe. There's someone wide-eyed and shocked, but you know, at the same time, amazed at what they're seeing. And I feel like that, you know. That's Marvel. That's why they're called that. <laughs> that's what they want. And that's what the story that they're telling here is about, really. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I think anyway, that the, definitely goes back to the title. Like, it's just, it's Marvels. And like in the book, they call them Marvels. And it's all about people marveling, to say Marvel for another time. It's all about people marveling at this universe. And like, I think that's a really big part of it. I just want to point one thing out because I just realized this because I'm not very smart. Um, the cover, I th it's, it's, it's the world outside your window because it's a window i think i don't know if that's what they're doing but i just realized that and i feel smart now um but anyway sorry to <laughs> I, just, I feel really smart also i just noticed there's the webbing it's alex ross is freaking crazy like, i don't know if you can see that but he does oh he's shaky the shadow of his webbing is on his suit and it's like so faint it's crazy but um or jake you guys say something oh um were you not? I, I lost what uh what i oh, was saying. sorry it probably wasn't that important if okay. it's important it'll come back to me okay yeah um, oh um oh in terms of the optimism though that, mm -hmm. that's what i was to say is the um because we're ending at the start of the bronze age essentially you know we're ending before watchmen we're ending before the death of jason todd but you know we're ending before you know grim and gritty superheroes mm -hmm. so that's kind of the tone the vibe we have is like what is that world before like alan moore and he's even spoken about himself that like that's some of his regrets that like it's kind of the same thing with movies you know people always take the wrong lessons from him 
or from things rather, you know, when things are successful, people take the wrong lessons from it. And like, so like Watchmen is super successful. That makes means like we should make things super dour mm-hmm. and like bleak and like pessimistic. Um, and uh, he even says himself that like he regrets bringing that into comics. And uh, I think kind of stuff like League of Extraordinary Gentlemen is a, is an answer to that, and like his top 10 comics mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And I mean, it does kind of, it does end on that death of Gwen State, or it doesn't end, there's an epilogue, but it, it the last big Marvel event that it brings up is death of Gwen Stacy. And it's kind of like, this is the end of the optimistic era is kind of how the book feels. It's like this book like is like all of, of the optimistic Marvel condensed into one thing. It's the opposite of DC New Frontier because New Frontier mm-hmm. starts at the Silver Age. It starts at Kennedy's New Frontier. Mm-hmm. So it's it, DC's New Frontier ends with like, yes, like the start of the space age, the 60s, and this is like, you know, the start, you know, the start of the Bronze Age. Like mm-hmm. things are getting dark, folks. <laughs> like, like we're it's the end of the uh, the optimism. Mm-hmm. You know, Kennedy's dead. We got Nixon. Uh, you know, <laughs> Reagan's America's like on the and like Thatcher's England is like on the horizon. You know, things like V for Vendetta is going to be a response to. So it's really kind of tonally like it's the last gasp of, hey guys, like everything's all right. <laughs> like. Um, I guess in that vein, I never even thought about it. it. Just occurred to me now. It's kind of like Forrest Gump, that like it's um mm-hmm. the magic trick of like something that seems nostalgic and positive, but when like you like kind of unpack it, you're like, oh, this is kind of like super dark, <laughs> like this nice nostalgic like, hey guys, remember this? It's kind of when you unpack, it's like kind of a little on the dark mm-hmm. side. Kind of a bummer. Yeah, I mean, just one one interesting detail that I want to point out that my copy has. In the back, it says book one, book two, book three, book four, and it has each issue. Basically, yeah. it has like pages two through six is Horton's press conference and Marvel number one, and then it has like break broken down which issue each of these events happens like in old school in like original the original comic issue that it happens in. I just think that's really that, interesting. In terms of the difference between like DC and Marvel, is that even the segment that's supposed to be the Golden Age segment, um, it's a it's timely or Marvel Golden Age that it's oh my God, it's gone wrong. It's a human torch, man. Not like, hey, chum, it's Batman and he's smiling or Superman or whatever. It's, oh my God, it's an android on fire. Everyone is terrified. So there mm-hmm. is still that, um, the different, the, a little bit of a dynamic, like what separates Marvel from DC, you mm-hmm. know? Um, not, yeah, it's not, it's not a smiling Batman. It, it's a flaming android that people are terrified of. And there are, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I think it would be really fun to do a read through where you've got the annotated comics and you can page to that page mm-hmm. or yeah. you know, that section and then go back. I'm sure someone's done it. It must be out there. <laughs> yeah, oh, I bet everything like that's been done. But um, I do want to talk about a couple of things or I mean, I don't know if, how big they are, but a couple of things about the art. And um, one, I, I don't know if this is really I, this is just a statement, but I like I think that this does a better job of this uses Alex Ross better than kingdom come does. That's, I don't know. I think that, I don't know. I feel like his, it fits with kind of the, like we talked earlier about like how it's all about marbles and things. And I feel like that kind of, it works better here. I'm not saying I don't like kingdom come. Cause I do like kingdom come at least the art. I haven't read the story in a long time, but the, I just think that the, it works a lot better in this than it does there. That's a really interesting thing to say. And, you know, I hadn't thought about it that way, but I kind of, I'm coming around to that. I don't know. I saw something about about it it. recently and it had me thinking about it. And I was like looking at it and I was like, oh, I can bring that up. That's a good, that's a smart thing. 
but yeah, I, I don't know. I That's agree. Just, <laughs> like I said, I just I don't think it, that Knock the Kingdom comes bad. I think that this just does a better job of using it than that does. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> looking at more from the sto- story end of it, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of being the one who can't draw here, <laughs> the hard, ignorant one. Um, I kind of lean towards Kingdom Come, and I was thinking that while I was reading it, um, I guess maybe again, kind of piggybacking like the idea of like astounding tales is a little bit an, an answer to the comics i grew up with that kingdom come is definitely like what's a Magog, gog whatever that dude is yeah. um he's like an answer to like 90s comics he's definitely like mm. a goof on like cable he's got like the glowing eye and like the shoulder pads and stuff like that so a little bit of like how does superman respond in this world of 90s comics or whatever um so i do kind of like that conversation and i just like it's almost in the same vein of uh, Perez doing like a crisis. That's just like so many characters and so many of them that are like weird deep cuts mm-hmm. and like stuff like that. Um, so like, because all the Marvel ones are like characters I'm super familiar with and frankly aren't, even if I wasn't like a Marvel zombie as like a little kid, like these are like, oh, it's a fantastic four. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I feel like in Kingdom Come, like is Mr. Terrific in like Kingdom Come? Like there's more... You know, like I said, they, they got mm. the fourth world. There's Big Barda in there. There's yeah. more, like, obscure characters, I guess, you mm-hmm. know. I think that's valid. Um, I do – I lost – And there's one. also, I don't know, um, uh, the Earth X, Earth X too. Mm-hmm. The yeah. three was Earth X, Paradise X, and all, all, all that stuff. Um, I forgot what the other one is. Um, Universe X, maybe. Universe X. But, I um, yeah, I mean, the only thing the – the there's only two other things that I wanted to um, – really mention and um actually one of them it doesn't really matter it's just something about because i don't really have anything to say about it but just how the recently there was that thing that came out that alex ross said like his his universe ended in like he, he considered like his continuity went up to like the 70s or he said something to oh that yeah effect. of course yeah and like i and you can tell that from this but i don't know the thing that i wanted to only other thing i wanted to mention at least as far as the art goes or just in terms of the book because i mean Again, I'm getting another. Yeah, my X Men continuity ended like a decade or two ago. I don't know what's going on with plant the plant based X Men or anything like I kinda, that. Like, I yeah, mean, 100%, yeah, yeah. But as far as Alex Ross's stuff goes, just like I really like it, the because my copy has I don't know what yours has, uh, Ray, but like mine has like the it has his photo reference in the back, and like I just really like how he he does that. I like how I like I said I've been using photo reference. I just really like how he makes props. Like he has thing a thing head and thing hands and has a Galactus helmet that he's just completely building, basically building his own little Marvel universe just so he has perfect references. And I think that's really great. Does it right. He does it right. Exactly. Well, does the, um, does the shirt like the, or it's not just shirt, like the costume drapery sometimes gets so realistic that it's kind of like, um, like an uncanny Valley, like takes you out of it. That usually like uh, superheroes are very much like a naked person with like lines, you, you know, mm-hmm. that like his clothes are look like the real clothes. They have like real drapery and like folds in it that oftentimes you don't see costumes like that. Does that like, what, what, what's your opinion on that stuff? I mean, I, I don't know. I think, I think that it can get into that very quickly, but I, I like that. I don't know. I, I like, I think it works in certain things and I think it works in things like this and in kingdom come. Like, I think that when it's a big story like that, that's relying on so, on like a lot of continuity and a lot of like, that's kind of an epic in a way. 
that I think that it that really it fits that that photorealism really really helps there. I'm always and, fascinated with who are the models, like who who he picks. Because yeah. I think like Wonder Woman and Big Barda are the same people in Kingdom Come. Like, um, I always think like who, you know, that's yeah, kind of neat. Be like, hey man, can you be my people. Hal Jordan? Like his male yeah. manners. So. Yeah. Just whoever he sees it, he's like, oh, you, you're, you're like, you're Captain America. I need you to come in here and you're. That's gotta be, Captain be flattering America. too. I know, yeah, it definitely does. Um, so are there any, um, as we're writing down, are there any final thoughts on uh, Marvels by Music and Ross? Read it. It's good. <laughs> what about you, Ray? Well, uh, let me give you two thoughts. First off, to the comparison of Kingdom Come and Marvels, um, I pulled down my copies just to see, you know, get a little second glance. And I, I think what the difference is really is the level of warmth in the actual paint. I think that's where it changes because you've got very cool shadows in Kingdom Come and very warm ones in Marvels. And I know that's sounds very basic, but it makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. And then uh, overall, uh, you know, it's an incredible story. Definitely worth the read. At the very least, listen to the podcast because that was pretty good too. But yeah, it's really good. <laughs> I to, it's just i tried to listen to the podcast but like i just have too many podcasts to listen to that i need to catch up on and i'm just like i can't add another one i can't do it um that was honestly my only thing um but yeah so um uh i mean that's all I, that's that's all the questions i have for you guys um i do like to end every episode with a um just a random personal question so um what is your um musical guilty pleasure I just, I don't know. I try, I, I don't know. I just try to pull something random out. Hmm. Well, I try not to have from. guilty pleasures. I mm, try yeah. to, if I like something, not feel guilty about it. Um, Same. But I definitely. Or one thing that people, that you might listen to that people might not, that people might not expect. Well, I was going to say, or not expect that people may not appreciate is I like the okay. Grateful Dead and, and Fish. And those are very specific things that not, you know, Jerry Garcia said, you know, the Grateful Dead are like licorice. Not everyone likes licorice, <laughs> but the people that like licorice really, really like, like licorice. licorice. Yeah. I, I watched, a, I don't know if you guys know um, what Channel 5 is. It's the the YouTube channel. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's this guy. He just does interviews at like random plate. Like he interviewed the, um, the QAnon shaman dude. Oh. with the buffalo horns he interviewed he like goes to like different rallies <laughs> he does lots of different weird things but like one of them he went to a fish concert and it was definitely the same vibe it's like you either like really if you like fish you really like fish and so those people were just all about it but yeah what about you ray oh gosh um the sad thing is i couldn't even tell you the name of half the songs i listened to but it's all garbage <laughs> oh man, I doubt that. So I listen to the kind of music that um normal human beings don't listen to whatsoever. It's like I don't even know how to describe it. like audio samples uh played back at different volumes and various frequencies. Um I was trying to find a few of the names and I didn't even know what to Google. <laughs> like I one one of the one of the bands I do know I like is uh Stepdad and Blockhead and uh you know uh the avalanche is pretty good you may you may have heard of them like uh uh what is what is the song everyone knows uh no not how to deal with grown-ups but i do like that one too (laughs) sorry my child's in the corner here you're good he's trying to help (laughs) i'll think of it in about two seconds uh but yeah just uh just garbage music that's everything (laughs) i listen to 
Uh, it's all, all it's all embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like like Jake said, I try not to have guilty pleasures, but um, I don't know one that always gets like in my classroom. I'll play like if I have to play something, I'll so every once in a while like Taylor Swift or like old Jonas Brothers will come on like my playlist, and they'll be like, "What are you? Are, why?" And I was like, and I'll be sitting back at my desk just jamming like nobody's business, and they're like, "This is old." And I'm like, "No, it's not. I'm not old." Don't call me that. I found in my experience that kids still like Wu Tang Clan. That that will get you respect well, amongst you. That the I, the children still love the Wu. I bet it would, but the problem is I would probably get fired. If I played Wu Tang Clan. Thirty six chambers, man. Shaolin. Uh, for sure. I mean, like I listen to Wu Tang all day, but um, yeah, I definitely can play it at work. Um, at least at my job. But um, anyway, so yeah, like I said, that's all I have for you guys. Um where can we find you guys online or where can we find you guys? Where can we find Astounding Tales? Um, uh, funnyfigs.com backslash astounding. Astounding Tales. Oh, uh, thank you. Funnyfigs.com backslash astounding tales. <laughs> they that's, both work, but that one's better. It's nicely formatted. That's the big yeah. One. Um, and what about you guys individually as far as social media and things like that? So uh, I'm on, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 you go. Go. Uh, so I'm on all the things as Funny Figs. That's F U N N Y F I G S. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Believe it or not, I'm even on TikTok. Uh, I have a YouTube channel that's semi inactive and a Twitch that's about to be active. Mm-hmm. But uh, you can see all the, the art I'm doing. Like I said, I do a lot of cartooning and caricature, a lot of comic work lately. Ooh. I was about to follow you on TikTok. <laughs> I was like, I was like that's not out. my TikTok. <laughs> I hate the voices. Oh my goodness. Um, anyway, what about you, Jake? Uh, at Astounding Comics, uh, comics with an X, uh, like indie style. Uh, I think Instagram's like underscore Jake underscore Cohen. And uh, at Jake Scott Cohen is me on Twitter. And uh, if you go to Astounding Comics, there's like one of those link tree things. Yeah. That will kind of send you everywhere you need to go. Yeah. I need to set one of those up. But um, yeah, as always, you can find Foreign Press Comics at F Press Comics on Twitter, Foreign Press Comics on Instagram, foreignpresscomics.com. Find us on Facebook and on TikTok at Foreign Press Comics. Um, we don't post a lot. We have five things posted so far. Um, it's not great. Um, other than that, um, you know, subscribe to the email list, subscribe to the podcast, like it, subscribe, do all the things. Um, anyway, um, thanks for coming on, guys. It was great talking to y'all. My pleasure. Yeah, thanks for having us.